Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today we have a special guest. It's Kristen Day, Executive Director of Democrats for Life of America. And, you know, there's been a lot in the news lately about those who are running, trying to run uh, against Trump and their extremism on life. And, uh, you know, Kristen has really done a good job of letting people know that there are Democrats, a lot of them, by the way, that do support life. So, Kristen, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. So, Kristen, I know everything kind of came to a head uh, with that town hall with Pete Buttigieg. And I always butcher his name, so I'm guess the best I'm probably going to be able to do. Where uh, you know, you basically asked just, him. Just call, just call him Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. Okay. <laughs> but I'll say. All right. Well, good. That just saves me a lot of aggravation for the next few minutes. Yes. Uh, but you know, you really asked him. Basically, is there a place in the party for Democrats who defend and promote life? And what was his answer to you? Well, it's so interesting to me is that. Instead of answering my question, he because I did not ask him about abortion. So instead of a- answering my question about is there a place for people like me in the party, he just doubled down on his uh, support for abortion and, um, you know, up to nine months. And he said, you know, basically he said, well, we're not going to agree where the line and line is drawn for people to have abortion. So maybe we can agree on who should make that decision. And, and he didn't even address my concern. Like, we're not going to agree on that because we both, I mean, the head of the town hall, I didn't go in there blind. I know very clearly where he stands on abortion. Right. So my, my question was, would you be open to platform language that said pro-life Democrats are welcome in the party? Um, because the current platform language allows people to uh, impose litmus tests against pro-life Democrats um, and candidates. Well, and I noticed also, and people can watch this on YouTube. I've seen it a couple times, but the crowd was, I mean, you were kind of like a rose among thorns. I mean, there wasn't too many people. It didn't sound like, I mean, they were cheering his answer and it was just like, they don't even get it. Yeah. So I think it's just like this automatic clap when you, you don't think about what he's really saying. He's like, I support a woman's right to choose and everybody just claps. But I, I think a lot of people don't really think what that means and what we're talking about. And this is not um, an issue to celebrate at all. It's a very serious issue. Women who choose abortion don't do so um, because it's to celebrate it and say, yes, I'm killing my baby. It's, it's a very difficult decision. And women have um, really hard time after abortion. A lot of women do. And so, you know, the tears, I think, were just that they hear women's right to choose and they clap. Um, but I do have to say that um, mine was the only question of the night that did receive some applause. If you hear when I asked my first question, somebody yelled, good question. <laughs> and um, and I did receive some applause there. And honestly, after the, um, after the commercial break, uh, a gentleman turned around uh, and looked at me. He said, were you the one who asked that question? And I said, yes. And then the whole row turned around. And I received nothing but support. And oh, good. people said people said it was a great question. Um, and um, they said that they did not like me or Pete's answer uh, when it was all over. People actually came up to me and said that was a good question. Nobody came up to me and said that was a bad question or get out or anything negative. I received nothing but support. 
um, from the Mayor Pete crowd. So well, it was um, it was encouraging to me. Well, that's good because you don't you don't get that perception when you watch you know there's that short snippet. Um, but right. really, what what he did uh, has really given you a platform to really let people know that there are. And I think I heard from you in one of your interviews or something I read that you'd put, you know, over two million pro-life Democrats. I don't think people realize that. Yes. No, it's 21 million pro-life. Or 21 Democrats. million. Excuse me. Yes. Yes. So a third of Democrats are, are pro-life. You look at the polls, a majority of Democrats uh, oppose abortion after the uh, after the first trimester. I think it's like seven in 10 Democrats oppose abortion after the first trimester. So the Democratic leadership and these people pushing abortion extremism are wildly out of touch with the Democratic base. And, you know, we see like Democrats being very loyal to the party and pulling the D lever election after election. And as the party becomes more extreme, they're really starting to alienate people. Um, I am receiving nothing but praise. And nothing but encouragement, and people telling me that how brave I was to stand up. And um, it's so. And, and right now we uh, have, I think, four. We have a, a conference call this tonight um, with I think five or six states who, and from people who want to start state chapters in their state. So the growth is tremendous. I think our, you know, our army of pro-life Democrats who are willing to speak out um, is growing because um, even when I worked on the Hill and Capitol Hill for a pro-life Democrat. People would walk up to him and whisper, I'm a pro-life Democrat, too. Keep up the good work. So we have been silenced and bullied and um, told to be quiet, told to sit down, kept off the stage um, at Democratic events. And I think pro-life Democrats are fed up. You know, we're part of the party. We should not be put in the back room any longer. We will, we refuse to be put pushed aside. And um, so I'm just emboldened by all the support um, to continue to to speak out and speak out and louder um, to push back against this abortion extremism that has really hijacked the party. Well, you know, you did. Uh, I just read this morning you had a nice uh, opinion article in the USA Today, and you mentioned about reaching out to other campaigns. And so whether you're talking about Warren or Sanders or Biden, I mean, mm-hmm. really, my guess is the, the response is uh, you can hear crickets. Right. No. So we sent our candidate questionnaire to Every single um, candidate uh, out there, I think we sent over a dozen. So back early in the stage of the game, when there were still like 30 people still, and I think we sent 18 out. And um, so the candidate questionnaire basically says what I asked Mayor Pete. You know, would you be open to the language that includes pro-life Democrats in the party? Do you want the support of pro-life voters? And no one has answered it. Well, which which so, which which speaks which speaks volumes. I mean, I guess the question right. you ask, and probably you ask yourself, is. Look, the party's been hijacked by big money Mm -hmm. in the abortion industry, which to me is even worse. Like if you truly believe it's a woman's choice, one, I would totally disagree with you. But if that was your conviction, but when money convinces you on how to vote and what to say, to me, that even feels filthier. I don't know about you. No, absolutely. It's money. And then just the, the bullying from the abortion industry, um, you know, those activists. The um, so when we look at remember a couple of years ago, Bernie Sanders actually came out and supported a pro-life Democrat. He's mellow, who was running for mayor of Omaha, and he had been a state senator who was pro-life and we had endorsed him and he was running for mayor and he was slated to win. He was ahead of the Republican candidate. Bernie Sanders came in to endorse him 
the abortion lobby went crazy and they descended on Omaha and just pressured poor Heath to death. And um, he ended up coming out and saying, well, I'm pro-life, but I'm not going to vote that way anymore. And he lost. And you should. Uh, but <laughs> yes, yes, you should. So, I mean, we have to, I mean, maybe we have to, pro-lifers have to stand up. Pro-life Democrats have to stand up and say, no, we're not going to bend any any longer. We're not going to bend to this abortion lobby. The Democratic Party has to support these candidates. If the abortion lobby comes in and starts attacking a pro-life Democrat, they have to stop it. Um, and they did so when Senator Casey first ran in 2006. Um, you know, there was an abortion rights candidate who was going to run, run against him in the primary, and they cleared the field for him, you know, to, to say that, you know, he was the one who could win. You know, right, <laughs> so right. let's get behind a candidate who can win, who can win Pennsylvania. And he's been there for two terms, I think, or three terms now. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the Democratic Party has to back these candidates up. And, and one of the candidates right now who is under attack from the abortion lobby is Congressman Dan Lipinski from Illinois. Yeah, who's so constantly under attack by them, isn't he? Yeah. Everybody, anybody who's listening to this, please go to Lipinski for Congress and make a donation to him because the abortion lobby is pouring in millions of dollars to try to defeat him. And he is such a good pro-life advocate, strong. He's the co-chair of the pro-life caucus. He's a really decent human being, and uh, we need to keep him there in Congress to to represent not only pro-life Democrats, but pro-life Americans. Yeah, I've heard him on EWTN. I've heard him speak several times, and he, you know, lives, eat, and breathes, you know, the life issue, which mm-hmm. is is critical. You know, I guess, right. may, you know, maybe the question I ask is, you know, how can the Democratic Party get back to its original roots and supporting of life? I mean, does it have to be they just continually lose until somebody finally wakes up? Because it seems like we get more extreme, more extreme. I mean, we've gone from the abortion talk to the infanticide talk, and nobody, uh, you know, running for president even blinks an eye. No, it's oh, it's so discouraging to to see all the candidates. Um, take this strong position of um, when you look at a bill that says if a child survives an abortion, they should receive health care and to have the candidates argue against that. Uh, it's just unconscionable. Uh, you know, it's it, they, they differentiate. I think the problem right now is we're differentiating between a wanted child and an unwanted child. So a wanted child, uh, you know, you get in utero surgery if there's something wrong. Um, you know, you get all the support, but an unwanted child, you get nothing but an abortionist coming in to end your life. Um, so I, I think that's a big, big mistake to make that differentiation. We should be doing more for these unwanted children and supporting their parents, the moms and, um, you know, and helping them um, have real choices. Because a lot of times um, the woman goes in and she, she's convinced that abortion is the right answer. When and uh, it in a lot of cases it's not because they end up um, really regretting their decisions and if you talk to post-abortive women it's it's devastating to hear their their stories and um, you know I I was at the Democratic convention in 2016 and we had a table set up and we said do you want paid leave do you want a living wage come talk to us <laughs> and um you know we had we were clearly pro life because we had pro life de- democrats for life out there and the interesting thing was i had a lot of women come up to me and say i'm pro choice um and then people were 
sort of confessing their abortion stories to me. Yeah. And it was so, it was, it was, but it was sad. It was very, like, it was sad to hear these stories. And you could see the, that the women all were, were harmed and hurt and still carried the sadness around them. So I ended up giving out a lot of hugs to women, post-abortive women um, at the party who are, you know, they're strongly pro-choice, but they really regret. So if you can imagine a world where we try to make abortion rare by providing more support to these women who don't want to have abortions and are told their children are unwanted and they should get rid of them. Well, the, you know, the, the terrible part is, you know, those that promote the abortion industry proclaim to be pro-woman, right? Woman's choice. When in reality, what you're talking about, you know, whether it's giving a hug or support or information yeah. or whatever, is really what pro-woman is all about. It sure is. Well, a woman who, who seeks abortion, you know, it's not empowering to tell them to kill their child and it will make your life better. Um, you know, I, you know, when you look at uh, pregnancy centers who provide support, diapers, housing, job training. Um, we had a speaker that come in one time and she told the story about this woman who came to them and she was at an abortion clinic. She was going to get an abortion, but she found this um, pr uh, pregnancy support center and they took her in and they put her up in a house and they helped her through the, you know, the whole nine months of pregnancy. And even after they can, the woman can stay in this, these homes until they can get on their feet. And one of the things that she said was, this is the first time I've ever felt loved. And so that to me is pro-women. We wrap our arms around these women and we support them and we encourage them and we help them and we lift them up to be successful. That's pro-women. It's not pro-women to say that you have to kill your baby to be successful. Like if you don't kill your baby, you're not going to finish college. If you don't kill your baby, you're not going to get a golden globe award. So, yeah. um, you know, and I, I think that that is so anti-feminist, anti-woman, um, just not just they, they shouldn't be able to call themselves feminists. Well, I mean, in in reality, not only are they anti-woman, they're anti-science. I mean, who in their right mind thinks a pregnancy or fertility is a disease or that right. a child is a tumor that needs to be removed? I mean, that's how they're cheating. I mean, to call that health care is beyond oh, my imagination. Yeah. No, me too. It's unbelievable how they're trying to spin it. I think there's a little bit of desperation, though, in um, in the abortion industry because more people are turning pro-life. More people are, you know, the the with the ultrasound machine that really made a big difference when people actually see the baby in the womb. Um, when I was pregnant with my first child. I had a 20 week ultrasound and I showed it to my neighbor because I was so excited because you could see the profile of his head and all his hands, right. and, you know, everything. And um, I didn't know it was a boy at that point. But um, and so when I showed it to her, she was in shock. She said, this is 20 weeks. She said, the baby's fully developed. And I said, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a baby. <laughs> and, you know, to, to, so I think the more we show these ultrasound pictures is um, the more people realize that, yes, yeah, science, it's science. This is a baby in here. And um, so I think that's helped. And that's largely why the abortion industry wants to prevent women from seeing ultrasounds, because they can actually see what is growing um, inside of them. Well, hence the uh, the infanticide talk, right? Because a lot of people now, and even the other side, acknowledge it's a baby. 
but now it has yeah. to become a woman's choice. I guess the question I ask you, you know, how do you, I mean, what is the road to try to get your party back? Well, I think we've started it now. Okay. Uh, you know, I think the speaking up, like we can no longer be silenced. You know, I've had some people contact me and say, you know, we should be working within our party to make change. And um, I'm thinking, what do you think we've been doing? Um, you know, I've been involved in this since 1996 or earlier, but 1996 was the first time that we really had that the platform changed to include pro-life Democrats in the plat, you know, in the platform, um, saying, you know, we added the conscience language that was there in 96 and 2000. Um, we've been fighting this for a long time, and um, you know, we had success in 2006 and 2008 when the Democratic Party was smart, and um, you know, it was um, Howard Dean was the chairman. And uh, oh, Chicago. I'm t- who's the gentleman from Chicago? Oh, uh, yeah. Tom Emanuel. Oh yeah, Tom yeah, Emanuel. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were they were smart. They're like, if we're going to win, we need to run the right person for the district, and that means supporting pro life candidates. And we had some really incredible pro life candidates win in 2006 and 2008. And one, and my favorite, is um, Kathy Dal Kemper from Pennsylvania, pro life qu- woman and Democrat. And it was so wonderful to have her there, you know, to be able to talk to the Democrat, the Women's Caucus um, in Congress. And she was she was pro-life for the whole life. And she earned the respect from the abortion rights women and was able to start these conversations um, within the party. So she was such a, a great uh, addition to, to Congress. And she's she's very much missed um, there now. So um, and then the. the 2010 was when the healthcare bill passed, and that was just a disaster for pro-life um, pro-life Democrats because the Democratic Party was upset because they felt the pro-life Democrats were, were holding up the passage of the healthcare reform bill, and then the pro-life community um, tends to be more conservative, so they were right. upset that the Democrats let it pass, and so the Dem- the poor pro life democrats that in 2010 they had no support from either side their own party or the pro life movement in fact the pro life movement spent millions of dollars to defeat the pro life democrats and um that's when that was a big loss for our pro life democrat caucus and it's and kind of been downhill from, since then until you know now yeah, you're trying to kind went, of revive it yeah we went from 64 to 3 um yeah you know, today. So we do have some good candidates running this time around. Um, so we're hopeful we can try to increase a little bit. Um, but I think it's going to take some time. Um, well, and, and the answer really has to come up. at the voting booth, right? I mean, elections have consequences. Mm-hmm. And I guess if pro-life Democrats say, look, life is foundational, I mean, and we can build upon that. And, you know, because you can have the immigration talk, you can have universal health, you can have all those conversations once we agree on life. Uh, I mean, can a pro-life Democrat in good conscience vote for a pro-death presidential uh, candidate? No, that has to be up to the individual and what their conscience tells them. I cannot make that judgment for um, a a person as they go into the into the voting booth. They'll, They'll have to make that decision themselves. Um, but, in real- though- but in reality, but in reality, that I mean, if if everybody said we're pro-life, we're pro-life, and continue to vote pro-death, they'd never get yeah. the message. Right. So I'm saying, like, in 2016, I know a lot of pro-life Democrats did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, they may have not voted for Trump either, so they may have yeah. either written in a certain candidate or 
because uh, there was a great article about, uh, you know, voting between, you know, people are saying you have to vote, you have to vote, because if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, then you're giving a vote to Trump. And you have to choose the lesser of two evils. That was a common <laughs> phrase I heard. My guess is that phrase will be used again this coming election. Yes. And it's like, no, you, you don't have to choose. The, when you, choosing between the lesser of two evils is only when like, it's, it's critical. You know? And you, you, it's like choosing between an election is not one of those situations where you have to choose between the lesser of two evils. <laughs> right. Um, well, and I've been I, I have a couple talks coming up uh, just in the next couple months at different parishes. How do I how how do, how should a faithful Catholic vote? And I think part of the reason you have to have, give those talks is because we have a lot of Catholics who are elected officials who deny the faith. And there's nothing that irritates me more than I believe in this, but I don't want to impose my faith. Good grief. We should be built on moral foundations. Nothing drives me crazier than when people say, well, I'm personally pro-life, yeah. I'm not going to vote that way. And the, my answer to that is you vote your conscience on every issue. Like, if you're not voting your conscience on, issue, on every issue, then you vote science. And science is pretty clear on this issue. It's a baby, so you have to vote to protect it. So, um, you know, but I think that, that John Kerry, when he ran for president in 2004, he ran as a, I'm personally pro-life, but I'm not going to vote that way. Yeah. And he, he had a speech at Pepperdine shortly after that, where he was kind of reflecting. And he reflected, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like, maybe that wasn't such a good idea to say I'm personally pro-life and I'm not going to vote that way. So he, he recognized that that was part of the reason that led to his, his loss um, in 20, 2004. And that was part of the reason that the Democratic Party, they did hear the message that abortion mattered in the, in the voting booth. And that's what led to the 2006 and 2008 recruitment of pro-life candidates. Yeah, it's a shame it's come unwound because, you know, I tell people it's, all the time and, you know, not to pick a political party whatsoever. But if the Democrats ever woke up and became pro-life, they would be unbeatable. They really would. And I saw that in 20, in 2009 when the Stupak Amendment passed, um, the amendment when we had 64 Democrats vote for uh, against taxpayer funding of abortion. You could see the excitement because I was on the Hill, all around the Hill that, you know, for weeks um, trying to get the Stupak Amendment passed. And, you know, talking to these members who maybe didn't vote pro-life a lot um, or didn't vote for life, but you could see sort of a relief of, I can vote my conscience on this. There was kind of an excitement of being like, let go from the pressure of the abortion lobby. And I think at that moment, if, um, if Barack Obama would have said, you know, remained firm to his promise that there would be no taxpayer funding of abortion in the bill, and just said, we're going to let this amendment stand, it's going to go to the Senate, and we're going to let it go. Um, I think that that, that 2010 election would have been totally different um, because you had the whole pro-life community behind the Stupak Amendment. And so they couldn't go spend those dollars against um, Democrats. Um, and then also the Democratic Party wouldn't have been mad at all these pro-life Democrats. Um, so it would have been a totally different outcome. And it would have just freed up people to vote their conscience on this issue. And uh, we'd be in a very different situation right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be nice if we were in a different situation. It'd be nice, yeah. you know, hopefully 
we get to that point, you know, I was happened to, you know, I happened to look at something online. It just kind of said, you know, back when Kennedy and Kennedy was kind of the first one about the conscience and the, uh, you know, determining how to vote. But, you know, back when he was there, Democrats believed in a strong military, supported tax cuts, opposed racial quotas, opposed unrestricted abortions. And it's almost like if you were in a time warp and came today, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, these aren't the Democrats I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot has changed. And I think in 1978, I think we had 135 pro-life Democrats and a 292-seat majority. So I think those numbers just show you what could be <laughs> if, if the party just stepped away from this abortion extremism. I think even if they went back to like safe, legal, and rare, uh, or, a, um, you know, limits after the first trimester, when you look at Europe, most of Europe has uh, bans abortion after 12 weeks. And, you know, the Democratic Party could adopt something like that, and they'd probably get more people supporting them. Well, there's no uh, doubt they, they would definitely get more people. Now, you know, we only got a couple minutes left, but one, of, you know, one of the bright spots in the country is kind of is Louisiana. Right. They have oh, they have yeah. Democrats who are pro-life <laughs> and they vote for them. And actually, I think one of the women spoke at the march not too long ago. Yeah. I mean, oh, the, the, how do you how do you replicate that? <laughs> the lovely Katrina Jackson. Um, she is so incredible and just she gives me uh, so much encouragement because she just doesn't back down. She's yeah. pro-life and, and, you know, nobody's going to mess with that. And um, she actually wrote the the law that's going to the Supreme Court um, in a couple months here. And yes, I would love to represent Louisiana because the governor, John Bell Edwards, another one. Yeah. Like my favorite, my favorite state because of these great pro-life Democrats there. Um, so yes, we're going to try to replicate. I think the difference is, um, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know. They just never swayed from this strong pro-life position. Uh, you know, the other southern states are also pro-life, yep. but they've all gone Republican. Yep. So I think, it's pro, you know, it's that's a message the there, isn't it? Yeah. It's people leaving the party and just and that and that's why I stay, because I'm not going to allow my party to be just overrun by the abortion lobby. I'm not giving I'm not going to give up without a big fight. And um, so. Well, good uh, for you. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. important. And, you know, we're, we're winding down. How can people follow what you're doing? What's the website? How can they get involved? Sure. Our website is democratsforlife.org. Uh, my Twitter handle is at pro-life, I mean, at pro-life Dem. So um, yeah, pro-life Dem is that. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Democrats for Life. We're on Instagram, Democrats for Life. So they can find us at a variety of uh, variety of uh, social media venues. Uh, Kristen, I can't thank you enough for all that you're doing. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work. And, uh, you know, our prayers are with you. <laughs> 